today I get to preach on money. Amen. Some of y'all are saying, oh my, where are the exits to this large facility? No, we are so glad that you're here today. We get to preach. It's more than money. It's stewardship. It's where our treasures are. Jesus said where your treasure is, or where, and that's where your heart is. And so today we get to share a message simply entitled, Give, out of Luke chapter 6, and I'll read in just a moment verse 38. Next week we plan to go back to Revelation, and we'll hopefully finish a whole chapter, Revelation uh, chapter 9. Some of you have been asking me, uh, when are you going to go back to, to Revelation? And, and I will, uh, but today we get a chance to preach about money, about stewardship, tithing, being a person of generosity, a person who is freely received, and now we also freely, freely give. Appreciate Dr. Murray a moment ago. Over the last few months, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, uh, but I have been speaking about tithing and giving every single Sunday. And that surprises some of you. You're like, but no, but pastor, if it didn't come for you, it's not valid. And I just got to tell you something. I disagree with that. Every Sunday, a deacon, a man of God, has been standing before you and telling you about giving and tithing and generosity. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed they've prayed for it? They've even shared a scripture over it? And I appreciate that so much. In fact, we give them 10% of all the monies that day. We give it to that deacon <laughs> for doing that. Isn't that gracious of us? No, I'm serious, guys. We, I'm not serious about that, but I'm serious and I appreciate. Thank you, uh, Dr. Murray, for encouraging us. And uh, I just love our deacons. Doug, I'm really looking forward to tonight. I, I'm just excited about it. I believe God's going to be here in our midst, whether there's 20 people or whether there's 200 people. I'm looking forward uh, to preaching this message and encouraging our people. So next week, we are going to have our annual Harvest Day offering, and it's one of my favorite times of the year at Great Hills. What we do, it's a little unorthodox. It's a little different. It's kind of the African-American heritage of giving. If you've ever been in a, a black church, African-American church, and taken up the offering, you will not forget it. It is phenomenal the way they do it. Everybody gives. And if you're not prepared to give, you're just going to be shamed a little bit because everybody, at least the service I went to, got up, went to the altar, and gave an offering. And next week, we'll place baskets before you, and we'll ask you during this week, as I've been asking you for many weeks, to be praying and ask the Lord to, as to what you could do to bless uh, your church here at 10,500 Jollyville. Well, what would those monies be used for? Before we get into the text, let me, let me take just a minute and share this with you. Uh, first of all, we're going to catch up on our 2014 budget. It's not unusual at this time of the year. We are usually overspent, meaning we have spent more than we've actually taken in for the budgetary operations. And that's been true, um, I believe, for many, many years at Great Hills. At least it has for the four plus years that I've been here. But our people seem to be so gracious and generous, and we give an extra gift for that purpose, but also another purpose. Uh, once we catch up on our 140000 that were overspent, whatever we bring in after that, we're going to give toward a ministry, a mission called Building Vision. And we've been talking about this now for many months in small groups, town hall meetings, so forth. And these are monies we're going to use to put toward different projects, renovations, remodels, aesthetics. I mean, all kinds of, of fun things that we need to do. I met with an architect this past week, and I can't tell you how many times he said the word out of code, out of code, out of code, out of code at Great Hills. And so we need to just get into code for a few things. And so I, I'm looking forward to this. Over the next three years, I want us to give and give sacrificially so that 
uh, we can do these things that God, I believe, God has put on my heart to lead our church uh, to be able uh, to do. You should have already by now received uh, some um, offering envelopes. We, we try to pass these out, mail these to all of our members. And on that offering envelope, there are three categories that you can give to Great Hills. Let, let me just give you a brief update as to what that looks like. At the first, it'll say the tithe. And we ask our people, and I'll share this with our new members here in just a few minutes, that we ask everybody that God brings to Great Hills, to this storehouse, to this local body, to give a tenth of your income to the ministries of Great Hills. And that's what it means by tithe. The second category, somewhere in there, it'll say something like missions. And I tell you, this is such a blessing. At Great Hills, we we give our tithes, and then we give above that uh, to support, to fund missions ministries. And all over the world, Great Hills Baptist Church, it seems like we have something going on. If you don't believe it, come to my office sometime. My favorite uh, map in all the world sits in my office, and on that map are different little tags, little stickers of places all over the globe. Uh, that you and I have had the privilege of going to and ministering to, not just Southeast Asia, where a lot of our heart is and where we're pouring a lot of time, money, energy, resources into the great country of India trying to reach our unengaged, unreached people group. But when you give that above, Mike Miracle, our missions pastor, and our missions team, by the way, we've got a wonderful missions committee. And they take these monies, they pray over it, and you would be absolutely amazed, and you would be proud of your church if you knew how many ministries this church underwrites and supports above our our tithes. And so that's the second category. Thirdly, it's called building vision. And that's where you'll see we're going to be giving money over the next three years to fix things like torn carpet that I'm looking at right here, or bathrooms that are very much in need uh, of repair, some painting, some new furniture, and some just some aesthetics things, mechanical things. And by the way, when I say that, I I hope you don't judge me as being unspiritual or mean-spirited. Some have, I think they've misunderstood me at this point. Uh, Some people misunderstood me to say that because things have fallen in disrepair, we need to repair them as if I'm being unspiritual. Somebody told me, what's wrong with having ripped carpet in the church? There's nothing wrong with that, and I I just disagree. I, I want our church and our house to look its best. I want us to give our best to the Lord, and I want this campus to be as beautiful on the inside as it is on the outside. And so that's, that's just my heart. I, I, that's all I want to do. I want to bless. I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm going to be the primary fundraiser for it, but I'm not going to do the 10% or whatever they charge, but I'm going to help lead you and to give these money so that we can beautify, bless, renovate, remodel, enhance, call it what you will, because we love this place at 10,500 Jollyville. So those are the three categories that will be on your, on your offering. So I was reading this book. In fact, I've been preparing this message now for uh, many weeks. I've been thinking about what, what can I share on Harvest Day Sunday Eve? as we come before the Lord, as we seek the Lord as to what should we give. I'm reading this book called Maximize, written by Nelson Searcy. He is a pastor, planted a church, the Journey Church, up in New York City. And since then, I believe he's, he's traveling all over the world, and he teaches a lot of times on this very subject of money. He said, Pastor, if you preached on money every time Jesus preached on money, you would preach on money every third Sunday of the year. Every third Sunday, I would, if I did like Jesus did, 
And I would stand up here and preach on stewardship, finances, and money. David Jeremiah said in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, the three synoptic gospels, one out of every six verses touches on the topic of money. Of the 38 parables that Jesus told during His time on earth, 12 dealt exclusively with this issue, end of quote, talking about finances and money. Do you know Jesus talked more about hell and money than He did anything else? I believe it's because more people are going there, number one, and number two, there's nothing like the revealing aspect of our finances, of our investments. You tell me how much you love the Lord, but you really show me how much you love the Lord by the money that you give, your tithes, your offerings, your, your being generous to the things of God. So I've just chosen one, one passage of Scripture. I want to read it to you, and I'm just going to walk you through this text, and I hope it blesses you. I do. I hope that, that God uses it to encourage you, to strengthen you, to, you know, to challenge you to be more like the Lord, because the the God that we serve, he, he is the most generous, benevolent being in all the universe. He is the most generous, for God so loved the world that He, what? Anybody? That He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in this one and only Son, Jesus, will never perish but have everlasting life. Talks about Jesus in Corinthians, He, though He was rich, became poor, that you through His poverty we might become rich. But here's this teaching that I want to share with you this morning. Jesus says, give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is the same Jesus who said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So first of all, the word give. It is a present active imperative verb. Present tense means it's not a once in a lifetime event. Present tense means habitually, ongoingly, we, we make a habit of doing whatever this commandment said to do. And this commandment, Jesus said, present tense, active voice. It's not passive. It's not something done unto us. But it's something that we do, that we generate from our own being. We ongoingly, habitually, present tense, actively participate in it, and we what? We give. And it's a commandment. It's in the imperative mood. Now, some of you may want to disagree with Jesus at this point and say, well, Jesus, what you really meant to say was give of your kindness and give of your time, but that's not the context. Jesus is talking about money. He talks a lot about money because He knows that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. One will take precedence over your life. Either God will be the Lord of your life or money will be the Lord of your life. And you can tell me that God is the Lord of your life, but if your checkbook dictates that money is the Lord of your life, then money's the Lord of your life. Because what you give to is what you worship. I hadn't planned on saying that. I don't get many original thoughts, Brother Jared Hughes, but I got one there. What, what you give to is what you worship. And what we give to in my church, in my house, is we give to Great Hills Baptist Church. I'm just telling you, Ashley and I, we give 
till it hurts sometimes. And there's a few other things that we support and we bless, but we love this place, and we give, and we want to give generously because Jesus said, I give you the commandment, keep on habitually, present tense, ongoingly from your very being, give, and this is the commandment. There's another text in the Bible that's very reminiscent of Luke 6.38. The dynamic, excuse me, dynamic equivalent of giving like this in the Old Testament is Malachi 3, verse 10, and it says, bring all the tithes. And the Bible does not say if you feel like it or if you're in the mood to do it, bring your tithes. It just says, bring it. Bring a tenth of your finances, your income, your investments. Bring this to the storehouse that there may be food, God says, in my house. And then God, in one time and one time only in all the Scriptures, He says, try me in this, test me, prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Sabaoth is the Hebrew, the God of the armies of heaven. Says the Lord of hosts, if I myself will not open for you the windows of heaven, and I will pour out on you such blessing that there will not be enough room uh, to receive it. And that's the Scriptures. The Bible says to give. The Bible says to bring your tithe. Oftentimes, many people say that tithing is an Old Testament legality. That we're in the New Testament, man. We don't, we don't have to worry about legalism. We don't have to worry about tithe. And you've got to be very, very carefully hermeneutically if you want to go down that path. Because that is a bad path to go down to. And here's, here's the argument. If you tithe in the Old Testament, then at the bare minimum, your giving in the New Testament should be a tithe. You say, now, Jesus, He didn't talk about tithing, did He? But He actually did. There's a little verse of Scripture in Matthew 23, 23 that oftentimes we just look past it, but it says, Jesus says, tithing is good, that you should tithe. Some of you are from Missouri. You're going, I don't believe it. Show me, brother. I'm from the show me state. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus commends the Pharisees. He says, you guys tithe, and you should. But then He rebukes them because they neglect the more weighty matters of the law, like mercy and justice and love. So, as I understand the New Testament, a tithe is a starting point to give. Now, you've got, you and I have one of three options to do at this point. The Bible is very clear. You either do it or you don't. Now, about 20% of Great Hills does. My life is yours. So, how do you know that? I just know. I've been doing some research. Maybe, maybe, maybe 25% of you tithe, but I think that's being way, way generous. I think it's more like 20% or below. Now, we have a, we have, we have a decision to make. Either God's lying. God's joking, or we're at fault. Now, we have a choice. We can say, thanks, but no thanks. I'll believe all the Bible except that. Number two, we can say, God, I believe you. I trust you. I will do that. Or number three, now watch this. We will say, God, I have no idea how I'm going to do that, (laughs) but I want to start somewhere. I just want to start, God, it's not much, but my goal is to get there, but Lord, please forgive me and help me kind of make those changes and arrange my life and my finances so I can get to a place where I can obey you, both in your Old Testament and your New Testament. So the command is there. 
and it is to, it is to give. Number two is the blessings of giving. If you'll go back to Luke chapter 6 with me, I want to walk you through this text. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. It talks about the rewards, the, the blessings of giving. Jesus says, give and it will be given unto you good measure. Now the words good measure means what is meted out, what is measured, and I'm by the way, it will not be scarce, it will not be skimpy but it will be excess. It will be more than you can imagine. Jesus said, listen, give, and it's going to be given back to you. Not only will it be given back to you, but it will be given in good measure. Meet it out with generosity. You say, well, who's the subject of this giving? God is. God says, I'll take it upon myself. It's the only time you test me on this, but test me and see if I will not bless you, remunerate you, honor you, and just pour out favor upon you when you give me what I ask you to give. You know, oftentimes when we give to God, it's amazing what He protects us from. I've seen so many times in my life how God has spared us over and over. What would have cost X amount of dollars, it only is going to cost us this. I believe it's God just honoring His Word saying, I will meet it out to you. Next He says it will be pressed down. Pressed down. Now remember an agricultural society in which Jesus lived. It's funny though because it may be agricultural then and we may be sophisticated and technological and today, but I tell you, it still has such apropos, it's so pertinent to every generation. Pressed down, Robert Stein says in his commentary, he says, the grain in the measuring container is pressed down so that all the spaces are filled and the container holds as much as possible, end of quote. Next, Jesus says, shaken together. Now, I almost brought a bag today with some leaves in it, but y'all know that the analogy is so perfect. Jesus said, you, you, you shake the, the bag of grain or the leaves, okay, you've got a bag and you, and you shake it. And sh- when you shake it, it settles it to the bottom. Why? So you can put more in it. Have you ever bagged leaves? Isn't that fun, Judy Stone? Don't you just did love bagging leaves? Man, when I worked as a, as a, as a lawn cutting person, in Fort Worth, Texas, 98 degrees, I'd go out and cut lawns for a living while I was in graduate school. And I learned a device. You can get a bag, you can put your feet on it, and you can open it up like this, and you can just go to town. You can just bag, put leaves, 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 and you pull it up, and that thing's about half full. And so what would I do? I would take it, I would press it down so that what? You can put more in. That's what Jesus is saying. He didn't really say that, did he? He really did. He said it. He said, give to me, and watch what I'll do. I'll press it down so that you can contain more. You know, God's economy is amazing. If you do what He tells you to do on this, He will bless you. Now, I didn't say you'd be a multi-gazillionaire. I didn't say that you would have no worries or issues or troubles or bills. I didn't say that. I'm just saying. And for 30 years, I've been practicing it that you give and you press it down. God presses it down so that I can receive even more. And he's not through. Listen, listen to what he says. Not only would, you be sh- would it be shaken together, but running over will be put in your bosom. How about that? Running over, super abundance, rounded heap, overflowing. Now let's go back to that first century. 
Now then, they all wore <laughs> robes. Wouldn't it be easier if we all just wore the same thing? <laughs> wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be cool? I tell you what, next week, y'all all just come in robes. Let, let's just all come in bath robes or whatever. All right? just, you just come in robes. That's, that's all they had back then. They had robes, all right? And they had a, a belt, tied the tunic, and they would reach down when they were working, and they would lift it up, and it's very modest because they would have something underneath it, and they would take the bottom of that robe, that tunic, and they would pull it up so that you got what? It's a kangaroo thing, right? You got a pouch here, and you put it in the pouch. I mean, listen, it, when it runs over in the pouch, it means you, you've collected so much grain, you've collected so much material that it's actually overflowing. It, it was not missed on the first century. They knew precisely what Jesus was talking about. They knew about pressing down. They knew about this overabundance. They knew about this tunic and this robe. And I don't think it's missed on us. I don't think we miss it at all mentally and cognitively, but we miss it in our hearts. Because we say, well, God, I could never do that. And Lord, I'll trust you with everything in my life except this one thing. Can I tell you something very difficult to hear? If he's not Lord of all, He's really not Lord at all. It's a command. I'm just private force reporting to duty. If God says give 16%, that's, that's what I would do. I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just trying to be honest and say, okay, God, let me, let me give here at least a tithe. And then he says, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. We give little, we receive little. The farming analogy is so apropos. To the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. As a farmer, as a little boy in the, in the boondocks of Alabama, I used to be a farmer with my dad, and we would plant. In my mind, I think it would be the most prodigious garden in all of Jefferson County, I, I, and it wasn't. But in my mind, it was the most, it was the hugest thing on the planet because we would plant corn, plant the okra, and do the tomatoes, and do the potatoes, and do all of that. My dad would have some, some uh, cows over here, and we would be out there, plant, plant, plant. But my dad would say, go plant some more. And so we would plant some more, and we would plant this huge amount of seed and tilling and cultivating, and then harvest time would come. And this was my dad's favorite thing. We would have so much that we could never eat it all. And we would go to our neighbors, and we'd go to our family, like some of you do to me. Man, I know when y'all have a good tomato year. I'm telling you, when Great Hills has a good tomato year, Brother Danny has a tomato year. I'm the only one that eats them in the house, but I eat as many as I can. And, and I tell you, when you're blessed, you're just, you're just overflowing. Why? Because you plant it a lot. Trust me. If you do that with your finances, God will do that for you. You say, you're a heretic. You're a Joel Osteen heretic is who you are. We need your resignation today. Am I preaching anything that Jesus did not say? If I am, would you stand and correct me? No, I'm serious. Am I a heretic? Let me ask you a second question. Then will you live it? Will you do it? Will you give? Press down, shaken together. To the measure that you give, God says, I will measure it back unto you.
I didn't ask for permission here. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness. Ken Cotton, are you in the house? Maybe you're not, and I can just talk about you. You'll never hear it, hear about it. Ken is one of our, what's that? He's in child care. Well, how about that? <laughs> Teach you to serve in child care. No, we need you to serve in child care. I talked to Ken Cotton not long ago, and he gave me his testimony about giving. By the way, Ken's a deacon. He's an active member of our church here at Great Hills. He teaches a Bible life class. And he said, Brother Danny, 16 years ago when I came to Austin, he says, I was not a tither. I kind of flippantly tipped God, gave to God a little bit. And he said, God really got a hold of my heart. 16 years ago, and I made a commitment. I said, Eden, we are going to start tithing. And she said, I thought you would never come around. Guys, you know, we're a bunch of knuckleheads. You know what? Our wives would gladly follow us if we just had the guts and the moxie to stand up and lead and say, this is what we're going to do. And so, in, in my family, by the way, my wife is just like that. She's just like, yes, come on. And, and then she'll say, and, and then some. I'm like, you're killing me. And then some more. And, and, and we give, and we give more. And, and, we, and we never suffer for, from giving generously to God. But Ken Cotton said, I came, I started giving, and I discovered something. He said, I discovered that it is amazing when you trust God. He said, I also discovered I actually have the spiritual gift of giving, and I never, ever realized it until I started trusting God and giving Him my tithe. So here at Great Hills, like I said, I've been doing some research, and I'm going to share some things with you at this point. And uh, the doors are locked. Everything's closed. You cannot leave. We have armed guards at every exit. I'm just kidding. We don't. But this is serious. In Circe's book, Maximize, there are five kinds of givers in every church. Number one, there are those who give nothing. There are those that would you classify as first-time givers. Number three, he said there are those that would be called regular givers. Number four would be the T people. What are those people? They're the tithers. And the number five, he has another category that's fascinating to me. He said those are the superabundance givers. They are the extravagant givers. They give, 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 spiritual gift of give. I mean, they just pour it out and give. So with the help of our accountant, Brother Nate, I began to research, and I found all the numbers for all the categories. Would you all like to hear them? Sure you would. Givers, 311 giving units are those who give very, very, very little to Great Hills. On a $4 million budget, you gave in 2014 $44,000. That's three, we have 863 giving units, okay? 300 giving units gave very, very little. 268 of you are what we call regular givers. You make a whole lot more than what you give as a tithe. You, you, just, you just give a little, and that's 268. So now we're at 600 of the 863. 232 giving units would be classified as tithers. Now, I know that's around the 25%, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then there are you folks who are the 52 extravagant givers. Now, the parameters that we use for these are very, very... Uh, what's the word, shall I say, uh, very humble. Th th these numbers, for, for example, 
people in Austin make a lot of money. And we, we based it on a, an income that we're pretty positive that you make a whole lot more than. So these numbers are being very generous is what I'm saying, okay? Let me give them to you again. 311 first-time givers, you give $44,000 out of a $4 million budget. 268 give a little bit. 232 or tithers, 52 are extravagant. So that gives us about 552 giving units that are going to have to carry uh, the weight here at, at Great Hills. Of those 268 regular givers, here, here's, here's what I think happens over and over again at Great Hills. And I, and I don't know this because I don't know who gives what. Okay, I'm just, I'm just speaking. Unless you're nominated as a deacon, then I know what you give. I check. Because we don't want someone serving as a deacon who's not at least tithing or a generous giver. Okay? So we've had to neglect some people. We've had to pass people over because we believe if you're going to be a deacon, you, you need to at least tithe. Okay? Here, here's what I think happens at Great Hills. I think it happens all over America. But I'm not so concerned what happens all over America. I'm concerned what happens here. God didn't call me to pastor America. He called me to pastor here. Okay? So I, here's what I think happens. I think people make probably, I don't know what you make, but the uh, annual median income for Austin, Texas in 2012 was $60,000. Let's say you're that person. You make $60,000. Does Great Hills Baptist Church get $60,000? Absolutely, unequivocally, no. Even though it's a tithe, you give probably 1000 Maybe, maybe, maybe 2000 I think that is the bulk of the people that I'm preaching to today. And I count it, our accountant, Brother Nate, Confirm, confirm that. The annual medium income in Austin, as I said, is $60,000. Now, I did some math. What if the 863 giving units at Great Hills Baptist Church tithed on a $60,000 income? Come now, whoa, Nelly. Listen to this. We would bring in $5 million a year. We need four to operate everything, okay? We need $4 million to operate. And if just, if, if just the people tithed, then there would be an overabundance of a million dollars every single year. Now, within our giving, and, and I, you need to know this, this is very important. When I became the pastor here four-plus years ago, the church was $9 million in debt. Today, we're about $6 million in debt, so we're, we're, making, we're, we're, we're making our payments. Our payments are $57,000 every for our building, okay? <laughs> Is this a joke? I mean, are you cutting me out because you don't, you don't want to hear this? Or... Amen. Are you back there, brother? I'm just kidding. So that means out of a typical month of giving, we don't even get to use a week's giving. Are you with me? Because we, we, we bring in $58,000 a week. And out of four weeks of giving in a month, it costs fifty-seven dollars just to make our house in three weeks. This is comical. Do I need to get a microphone, Brother Terry? Yeah, the devil don't want me preaching on this. I guarantee you that. Testing one, two, three. Can you hear me? 
loose. Continue on. I'm going to put this right here. Okay. If that does it again, just grab this. I got to go back to my notes. I'm discombobulated. Let's see. Everything's memorized. When I get off of a, yeah, I just have to come back here. The part here says, everybody agrees to tie the Great Hills today. Okay, that's where I am. Man, I'm so sorry. Everybody agrees to tie. I, I knew that was in there somewhere. Amen. So what, you say, Brother Danny, what, as you wrap this sermon up, what, what, what are you looking for from us? What do you want us to do? I just want you to obey God. Whatever that is, obey God. Here, here's my real goal. Those who give nothing would start to give something to Great Hills. I'm absolutely amazed. <laughs> it really, it breaks my heart when I'm told of the number of you that sit here every single Sunday and you give nothing. You give zero to this church. You say you enjoy my preaching. You say you enjoy the music. You like the lights. You like the air conditioning. You love what Great Hills is doing, but you don't give a dime. And I I just feel terrible about it. I feel like I have failed you as a church. I really do. I, I feel like somewhere, somehow, I have greatly disappointed God and disappointed. I must not be preaching like I should if you give nothing. So what I'd like for you to do, if that is you, to say, God, I'm going to start giving something. Those who are first-time givers, would you commit to the Lord today to say, I'm going to become a regular giver. Now, that may not be tithing. And I'd love for you to be a tither, but you're just saying, hey, I'm just being real for you. I, I owe 50 grand on my school. She owes 50 grand on her school. And we are just way up to our noses and above our noses in debt. And I would say, God sees that. God knows that. So just start somewhere with the goal in mind, God, that is our goal. We want to tithe. And if you're a regular giver, why don't you step over here and become a tither? And if you're a tither, then won't you come over here with Ashley and me? and the other 53, and become what you know as extravagant givers. I'm really tempted to tell y'all what I gave last year. Ashley, what do you think about that? I hadn't asked you about that. What do you think? So, preacher said do it. <laughs> so, we, we give at least 20 grand a year to Great Hills Baptist Church. You say, man, you're making 200 grand. You are doing all right. I don't make near that, but I give 20 grand a year at least to Great Hills Baptist Church. You say, well, why would you do that? I mean, you, you got three kids, two at Dallas Baptist, and Hannah tells us she's going back to school. Salute! It's all good, Hannah. I'm glad. I'm glad for you, man. It's all good. And we have yet to buy a house in Austin. We can't afford it. It's just the way it is. Um, but we still are going to give that much and more. Nate, when you send me that statement every year, I, that's, the mo that's one of the most joyous days of my life. I get to see what I got to give to Great Hills Baptist Church, at least 20 grand and more, because it just, I love this church. I love what God's doing in, in this church. So I'm just asking you to start, you know, start somewhere and move on the, the, the spectrum. So the pastor at First Baptist uh, Houston, Greg Mott, is a friend of mine, and we see things eye to eye. It's so cool. He's about five. He's got me about an inch. He's about five, seven. And, and when he sees me, he, he talks to me. He encourages me. He, 
He went to first uh, Houston about seven or eight years ago, and God is really, really using him in a powerful, powerful way. And so he read Nelson Searcy's book. He went to First Baptist Houston. He says, let's maximize, guys. Those that don't give nothing, let's give a little something. Those that give a little something, let's become regular givers. Those that are regular givers, let's become tithers. Those that tithe, let's just become super abundant givers. What say ye First Baptist Houston? And they all just looking at me, like a lot of y'all are looking at me like, yeah, right. No, he says, no, I'm serious. Let's test God on this, and let's see what happens because we need $15 million. That's what he told his church. Now, we only need, for our building vision, we're probably going to need about $5 million to do all the things that I would love to do on our campus. So they need 15. I know they've got a lot more people than we do, but anyhow, here's, here's what happened. True story. He started sharing this with his people, and um, they followed his leadership. They just followed him. They said, you're our pastor. We don't think you're uh, an immoral, ungodly, unethical person. We trust you, and we're following you, and we're going to do it. You know how much money they brought in? $30 million. Thirty. They needed 15 for their renovations, for their upgrades, for whatever it was they were going to do. Plant and I don't know what all Greg was going to do with that money, but he shared this at the Southern Baptist Convention in a luncheon meeting and I was just blown away by the generosity of the people at First Baptist Houston, that they would do that. One of my favorite um, passages of Scripture is 1 Chronicles 29. Some of you are going to try to give me a hard time because I told the church what I gave. Then you need to give David a hard time too. Because to the dollar, he told the people what he gave. And so in 1 Chronicles 29, he said, here's what I'm giving, X amount in gold, X amount in silver, and it was gazillions, quadrillions. But this is what he said. He said, I know also, my God, that you test the heart, and you have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. Billions of dollars he gave to the building of the temple in Jerusalem. And now, God, it is with joy that I have seen your people, your people, God. They are here to present it to you, and they offer willingly to you. Now, again, this is not offering your spiritual gifts. This is not offering your time. This is not offering your compassion. This is not offering your compliments, which all things are good. This is money, just plain, flat-out money, currency. And they bring it and they offer it to the Lord. And David, as the shepherd, he stood back, and he just rejoiced. The greatest shepherd, Jesus, was watching what everybody gave one day in the New Testament. Y'all remember that? I tell you, Jesus is really concerned about money. He is. He, just, he really is concerned what you give because your giving to him is a reflection of how much you love him. Amen, Brother Danny. You preach it. You preach it. Okay? <clears throat> it is a reflection. 
I did that at Dallas Baptist University a couple weeks ago. I was preaching to these thousand students, and I was all fired up, and I went behind the pulpit and said amen. They went crazy. They laughed. I just, I didn't know it'd go over that good. I didn't even know I was going to do that, but they just thought that was the most hilarious thing. They thought I was kind of crazy anyhow. So Jesus is looking, and he goes, and he got excited. You remember that? He got excited. He goes, whoa, he goes, disciples, hey, 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 come here, come here. They're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? He goes, do you see that lady right there? She gave more than everybody. And they're like, what? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. They gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her need, and Jesus was impressed. The king of glory, we can impress him when we give sacrificially. So there's my sermon on tithing and giving. And if you're lucky, you won't get to hear it again until next year. But no, I, I hope that you hear my heart. I, I want to preach the Bible. I want to get back to Revelation. But this is the Bible. And this is something I needed to share. So here's what I'd like for us to do at this time in the invitation. If you're here today and you would say, whoa, this is way over me. I, I don't think I could ever be at a point where I could give God a tithe of my income, then here's what I want to say to you. Would you trust God? Would you trust Him? You trusted Him enough to save you from hell. Can you trust Him enough to take care of your finances? Some of you are here today, you, you can't trust God with your finances because you've never really trusted Him with your soul. So I invite you today to give your life to Christ. Be born again by the Spirit of God. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. You died on the cross, arose from the dead. I give you my life, my all. Remember that hymn we, we sing? I surrender all. Y'all remember that? I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And I wonder if God says sometimes, no, you don't. You're just singing it. All means all. Lord, I give you my life. I invite you to do that today. If you've never given your all to God, trust Him with your eternal salvation, trust Him with your finances, trust Him with your family. God is a mighty God. He will save. He will do miraculous things. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I want to be a member of Great Hills Baptist Church. Some of you are going, Brother Dan, you preach a sermon like that, and you ain't going to have many people want to join that church. You might be surprised. You, you may be here today, and you'd say, I'd like to join your church. Then why don't you come? Let me meet you. Let me shake your hand, and let me walk you out to the great hall. We'll feed you, and you can join our church. We'll show you how that happens. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, be transparent with our people today and to share a message, Lord, that I hope resonates with them, it encourages them, challenges them. Lord, I pray that you would bless our church. God, I've been praying intensely now for many days that you would bless us spiritually, numerically, and financially. And that, Lord, in turn, we would be a radiant church that is a blessing to the nations. Lord, thank you for our people. I love this church. God, these are some of the greatest people on planet Earth live right here in Austin, Texas. And, Lord, they love you, and we want to do the right thing. So I pray that you bless them. 
Bless those, Lord, who are lost and save them. Bless those, Lord, who are saved and encourage them. Help them deepen in their discipleship and in their stewardship. So, Lord God, we pray now that you would bless this invitation. For we pray it in the name above every name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing now?